0: Welcome back to the Rule Renewal Podcast. We are glad that you have joined us, and if you haven't shared with your friends about our podcast, we would love for you to do that because we want to be an encouragement to rural church leaders and to lay leaders doing uh, doing interesting and innovative things in their particular context.
1: Yeah. And certainly as we continue to, to hopefully ha- have this be a little interactive and hopefully include some of uh, some of the things going on, uh, in your contexts, um, either through the Facebook, uh, Facebook page, which is, um, rural renewal podcast community. Um, or certainly you can send us an email with some of those ideas. We want to share those kinds of things. Cause one of the things I think in rural ministry that we're trying to do together is just, uh, Give encouragement, give creative ideas that help, um, you know, in your context, certainly no idea if perfectly fits in another context, but sometimes you've got to, uh, have the chance to help out or sorry. And sometimes you have to have, uh, you hear about what's going on somewhere else and then you're able to incorporate. Yeah, absolutely. What's going on in your own ministry. So. Do you want to talk about what we did last weekend? Yeah. So, um, uh, is way to talk a little bit about what, uh, one of the people that we talked to in our last episode, uh, Reverend Dale Edwards. Episode two. Episode two. Yeah. This is episode three. Um. We went to our denominational uh, uh, regional meeting. So we're part of the American Baptist Churches of uh, USA as our national denomination. And uh, we're in Vermont. And so our region is uh, the American Baptist Churches of Vermont, New Hampshire. Uh, once a year, uh, assuming there's not a pandemic, we do, uh, we get together uh, at least once a year. But once a year, we get together for our kind of our annual uh, convention. And so we were there and it was, uh, for us, uh, uh, Dale Edwards, who spoke at the last Reverend Dale Edwards, who spoke in our last podcast, who we interviewed in our last podcast. It was his, uh, his final one as our regional executive. He's retiring, um, uh, at the end of August. So, um, had a chance to see him and hear him, uh, speak one more time. Uh, It was really a good time. And so it's worth going back. He has great stories. It's great to go back and listen to that. Um, also, um, Aliyah Hitty, um, uh, was also really, really good, um, our last podcast as well as so if you haven't listened to that one go back and listen to that one it's certainly well worth it but uh yeah, yeah
0: and i go we ahead. we joke around uh dale always has stories mm-hmm. and um so we always say hashtag dale stories although he's not really online at all uh
1: and hashtags are you know you know
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: something we used to say five or six years ago we were cool back.
0: yeah not so much anymore <laughs> but uh he does tell a couple of good stories in in that episode and uh it's always great to hear his stories. So uh we were gonna talk a little bit about what's going on in our lives. Uh last week, or was it the week before, uh, our youngest daughter, she has so she's had some medical issues over the years. And um, so in a rural area, sometimes getting healthcare is a little bit of a challenge. So she had to get an she had to get a vision evaluation uh, the other week and
1: yeah. Her, her, uh, um, not, not so much for just regular vision. Um, she's had those a lot of times that they're well care checks, but, um, uh, this has more to do with uh, some of the way that she tracks things with her eyes and muscle movements involved in them.
0: Yeah. That. Stuff that's a little bit above our heads, but, uh, we still want her to be able to read and, and be able to see correctly. So I brought her to that. That was an hour and a half drive each way to get that evaluation. And that was I I checked a bunch of places and that was as close as we could get for that evaluation and then after that she needed to, she needed to go to her, a pediatrician on a completely different uh unrelated um thing okay. and uh so that was another hour so I spent 5 hours in the car that day and the day before our son had hurt his knee so I had to get him checked out at the pediatrician so that was another 2 hours of driving so in the span of two days, I drove seven hours for kids' uh, doctor appointments.
1: Yeah, and if you if you minister in a rural area, you're used to this kind of thing. Not maybe I mean, probably on a personal level. Um, if you do, uh, for us, the closest hospital we would go to to do a hospital visit is about a 35 minute ride in, uh, away. Um, and uh, a lot of times it's more like an hour um, to get to the first uh, like closest major hospital. It's like an hour and 20 minutes uh, drive time for us. So um, you're used to that. And certainly one of the things that you, I'm sure you've noticed uh, as you, uh, with people as well is that particularly when people go through health challenges, um, when people have cancer or things like that, and they have to do multiple trips often to the doctors, it just eats time. Um, not that it doesn't do that in more urban and suburban areas too, but it just eats time up. Um, and so, uh, that's not necessarily something we, uh, kind of joke or kind of smile about in rural places, but it's a reality of living here. And it's a reality of how we help minister to people in those circumstances as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to be creative about the ways that you help people out. Or, uh, yeah. Doctor.
0: Someone uh, just today asked me, can you pick up my kid? Cause I'm not sure I'm going to make it back from my appointment on time from a doctor's appointment. So um, that, that happens uh, frequently yeah. around here. Uh, Chris talked can you tell us about the fire department? Yeah.
1: So as part of helping you to get to know Kathleen and I a little bit better, um, I, I mentioned this in the first episode, but one of the things that I have done uh i did after um we also mentioned that our church our original church building when we moved here um we had a fire six months in and one of the things i did was go and join the fire department which i had sort of been planning on doing anyway but um and i've gotten quite involved in the fire department it's a uh one of the things in a rural uh, in a rural place it's certainly an option for for ways to connect with uh a group of people who obviously are they're all volunteers as well so um uh, we obviously, they're there trying to do the best to help out their fellow, uh, community members as well. We have, we have some church connections on the fire department as well, but uh, mostly it's people who don't come to church. Um, and it's a great way to get to know some different people. And it's, uh, obviously over the years opened up lots of ministry opportunities, um, both in the midst of, uh, crisis kind of circumstances, but also certainly in other ways as well. And the church and the fire department have partnered with stuff. We do trunk or treat with them every year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a big town event, so that's a lot of fun. So yeah, um, uh, it has been become something. And my original, uh, and I probably talked about this a little in the first episode. But my original plan was not necessarily to become a firefighter. It was mostly just to go and be a chaplain. Um, uh, one, when you join a rural fire department, particularly in uh, New England, probably this is true. Um, they probably, I mean, they, all the guys there, I think, know what the word chaplain means. Um, but I don't think they've ever had a chaplain before. I um, uh, That's not entirely true. I'm sure they've had pastors who have done stuff with them before um, in a kind of chaplain role, but as an official thing, no, um, <laughs> probably not. But Um, yeah. So one of the things I recognized that was one of the ways I could be most helpful to them, um, was actually, instead of just being there to provide sort of the kind of support that a chaplain would is to be there and help with firefighting support. So I've done a lot of that and, uh, took, uh, took a bunch of firefighting classes. I never thought I was going to take, um, and have really found it to be, uh, something that, uh, I really enjoy as well. It's, um, I, I enjoy helping other people out and I enjoy the, uh, kind of the, the team aspect of what you're doing when you're fi- when you're firefighting and the, uh, um, yeah, all that kind of stuff, the learning together and spending time. Together. I've really enjoyed that over the years. It's really been a blessing in my life. Um, and, uh, and I think hopefully a blessing to the fire department that I've been there uh, over the last, uh, I've been well, well, we've been here 13 years. I guess it's, I've been on the department more than 12 years now, like 12 and a half.
0: So yeah. Yeah. Job. You joined yeah. pretty soon after we got yeah. here. Um, And I think I, I agree. I think it's been a really great, great way for. I get to drive
1: really big trucks sometimes. Oh, something I always tell people, (laughs) if you live in a rural area and you see a fire truck with lights on, um, you should get out of the way for your own safety, (laughs) because I can guarantee you the person driving that fire truck, almost guarantee. We have a bunch of guys in our department who do drive big trucks, but, um, when I'm driving the fire truck, uh, I I am driving a truck that's way bigger than any truck I should ever be allowed to drive that weighs way more than it should. Um And yeah, and in a highly stressful situation, well, or somewhat stressful. Situation. So get out of the way. That's why we have the lights. Just get out of the way. It's
0: yeah. Free no, advice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um we've got stories about Chris's driving. Uh oh yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to save that one for uh,
0: yeah, another one. Um <laughs> message us if you want the- <laughs> jo- join the Facebook group. Yeah, we'll have to share that and we'll share story. it there. there. <laughs> um so uh, uh each week we're going to give you a way to know that you have found the right podcast. So Chris, uh what what are you guys- this is a good one for you to to talk about.
1: Yeah. So, um, one of the ways I think, you know, you live in a, in a rural community, um, is that, uh, you have to be careful. Um, now as followers of Jesus, we should always be careful about mm-hmm. what we say to people, um, but particularly in a rural community, you have to be careful because, uh, you do not know who is married to whom, uh, and their history necessarily, especially if you're relatively new to the rural or area. Or who
0: you're related to.
1: Uh, yeah, who you're even related to. Well, that's if you grew up in the town. Well, that's right. Which is, um, so, so I, I kind of te- I know this inherently because I grew up in a small town, not in the town we passed right now. I grew up in, in a rural town in New Hampshire, Sammerton, New Hampshire. Um, and I grew up in a church. My parents still go to the church that I grew up in. Uh, they still live at the house that I, uh, I grew up in as well. And uh, when I went to church there as a kid, at the time it was a second Baptist church of Sammerton. Uh, they've changed their name, now, Ma- now Mountain. But anyways, uh, back when I went to church there, um, as a kid, uh all four of my grandparents went to church with me every Sunday morning. Uh matter of fact I usually sat with my mom's parents. Uh we sat in the pew next to so it. It was a long uh, and I would uh yeah, they they would <laughs> Grammy would keep me uh, you know, occupied as you do with a with a five or six year old at church.
0: With a calculator.
1: Well, you know, the iPhones were not a thing. <laughs> 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 very early version of the iPhone <laughs> and doodling on. Yeah, anyways, um, so that's, that's what that's what uh, that's what we did. And um, but my my other grand, my dad's parents also went to the church there. My dad's uh, my dad's grandparents. He still had two grandparents alive. Two, two of my great grandparents went to the church. Um, uh, certainly at different times, I had cousins who went to the church with me. Um, and this was not a big church. This was not like a, a congregation of, of, of several thousand or several hundred. Uh, we probably even uh, back then it was probably like 60 to 70 people was a good Sunday. Um, I, I was related to more than half the people who went to church on Sunday and the people who I wasn't related to, um, I might as well have been particularly the other kiddos there. You know, I, we spent tons of time together. We knew them really well. Um, it was just kind of part of growing up in a, in a small community. So, uh, I'm sure all of you who uh, live in small communities, you're nodding along to that. Yes, of course. You know, um, the people who make up your churches uh, are often related in ways you wouldn't know. And then the other people in town who maybe aren't part of your church, but part of your wider community, they're related. um, They're either. And sometimes that's sometimes they're related. And that's a good thing uh, for them, for their relationships with one another. Sometimes it's maybe there's a negative history there. I'm sure you have some of that in your small towns as well. And, And learning all of those things and knowing who to ask the right question to, who can tell you those things is an important part of uh, navigating life all now, or a role place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so our interview today, Chris, who are we interviewing? We
1: are interviewing Pam Morse, and we have a long, uh, well, a reasonably lengthy uh, history with Pam. Um, uh, she makes brief mention, actually, in her uh, in the interview of, of a gentleman named Skip Schwartz, who started the ministry that she currently has birthed, that she's been serving at for a long time. A long time. Um, uh, many years. M- more than three, either more than 30 years now, I think. I'm um, almost, um, oh, okay. almost sure. I think in 1990. So, okay. um, Or about 30 years at least. Uh, and so uh, we we got to know um, Skip, actually. He, after he had been at the ministry, he was at there. He moved to a ministry uh, in central New Hampshire. And when we were first married, um, he, he we didn't go to the, the ministry or the church kind of that he, that he was serving then. But we went to a church that did some uh, partner with them for anything, So we got to know him pretty well. Um, and then through him got to know Pam, uh, and her husband Earl and, uh, and, and some of the things that they do ministry at a ski resort and they do ministry sometimes on skis. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And so this was, uh, we've gotten to know them some in that regard. We've done a little bit of that kind of stuff ourselves as well as we live in a ski resort town. So yeah, that's how we got to know Pam. She's wonderful.
0: She's yeah, really she wonderful. is. She's great. Um, it was, it was good to, to hear from her.
1: Yeah. And she just, she lots of, very thoughtful and very um very insightful about uh about how to interact with people especially in a, people in a, when they're in a vacation setting she just has uh, year, years and years of experience with it
0: definitely uh Chris what's one thing that you learned
1: um it, she, she says this at one point in, the, in, in in the interview find where people are and meet or uh, join. Find, and join sorry find where people are and join them there um and I certainly as as uh, as fresh expressions as people who are interested in fresh expressions and different ways to do church outside of a normal traditional inherited church setting. Um, yeah. Finding where people are, meet them there. Uh, and you're going to hear a little bit about how Pam's ministry is certainly doing that for, for a long time.
0: Yeah. And for me, uh, she touched on this pretty briefly at the beginning, but she was talking about how we are all in unique mm-hmm. contexts. And I think that's really important for us to remember. I mean, I think uh, rural contexts are definitely different than like, urban or suburban context, but, um, even, you know, uh, we have friends that are, that, that, that their church is not that different from ours and it's, it's in the same denomination and it's only a half an hour away, but the churches are not the same. So whatever we take from these podcasts or resources, um, we do have to make them our own. Um, but I think, it can still be an encouragement. Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, I think that's, that's always going to be the case. You, you can never, there's no box that you can just buy your ministry in or, or have somebody send you your ministry and yeah, you open it up and yeah. it works. I and mean, you gotta, you gotta figure that out um, for for the context in which you are in. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So before uh, we keep talking for too, too, too long, we're, uh, we'll listen to this uh, interview that we had with Pam Morse. All right. We're excited to have Pam Morse on the show today. Pam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up
2: doing ministry where you're at? Well, sure. I'd be happy to. Uh, I went to seminary in Boston area. And at that time, there was a clergy glut. Uh, Way too many clergy. The whole thing was tipping into the ocean. And my husband and I had attended Bates College in Lewiston, Maine. And so we liked Maine a lot. And so when we finished, we both finished seminary and we were looking for a place to serve. And that's where we ended up, which was in a pretty somewhat semi-rural area in Maine, in Farmington, Maine. And uh, they were willing to take on a clergy couple, which was really great, which is back in (coughs) 1989. (laughs) It 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 was a really new thing. No and we just, we just, <laughs> even back <recognize me> <laughs> in
1: you're
2: much younger than I am. <laughs> thank you, but thank you. And so we just love being in a small community, and that's how we originally kind of started what we will generally call rural community ministry.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And then um, uh, now you you have this really unique ministry, which is really uh, fun. We've known you for quite a while and and had the chance to kind of see some of what you do. And uh, so so tell us about what you do for ministry uh, at the moment. I,
2: at the moment, I am, along with my husband, co-pastors at Sugarloaf Christian Ministry, which is, uh, look the cat out of the bag, which is at a ski resort in the Western mountains of Maine. And as we like to say, you know, it's tough work, but somebody has to do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh we certainly one of the reasons we've gotten to know you is because we we pastor in a town that's also near our ski area although our our uh, our ministry is not quite as connected to the ski area as yours but it's definitely uh it is a big part of our community and and a place where we do some ministry as well and so we've we shared some of that together um but yeah it's really uh it, it's just been really neat to, to get to know your story a little bit in that regard and the neat ministry way gods called you to that kind of ministry
0: So, what are some unique challenges that you face in your particular context?
2: And yeah, and thank you for recognizing this is a particular context, and all of our contexts are very particular. I mean, none of us do ministry in any kind of generic way. I mean, it's all particular. And it is rural where I am, and the town where I pester, which is Carabasset Valley, Maine, lots of letters, hard to spell. It is rural. And we have about 600 residents. So I think in that way, we, def- we, you know, we fit the rural category, but we have 10,000 pillows. Mm. Wow. Mm. And that makes it a really unique context for me. I'm in the middle of a ski resort, uh, 40, uh, the Western mountains of Maine, I'm about 45 miles to Quebec and about 45 miles to New Hampshire. Mm. So, uh, it's, It is very unique, but unlike some rural areas, it's really very transitional. Mm. So in the time that Earl and I have been here, we arrived in full disclosure in 1990. Uh, We're probably on our fourth or maybe fifth congregation. There's nobody left from Mm. that original group at all. Those are some of the things that make it unique. It's also, and I'm so glad you guys are interviewing me, it's Northern New England, so hello. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, definitely. Nobody
2: cares out. about church. Um, I mean, the only people that are there are the people that really, really want to be there. There's no social cachet. There's no, like, which church do you go? I mean, there's none of that. Um
1: wow. That's
2: some of the things. There's more. You need. You want. You want more particulars, or is that enough?
1: Well, I, um, I was. Gonna, I was just gonna. I, I, you're completely right about the the social cachet. Right. Um, I always say the, the and people don't even really for that mo- for the most part around here feel this pressure. The only pressure people ever feel. Um, uh around us to go to church is if there's some family pressure. But even that is very minimal. <laughs> um, even amongst people who have a family history of going to church. So yeah, right. uh, but yeah, um p- people who show up, uh, sometimes people show up and they maybe they don't know who Jesus Jesus is and maybe they're you know kind of hearing the gospel initially, but they're definitely looking for something when they show up. They don't just stumble in the doors. So <laughs> right. Um, right. yeah. Which is a different right. context in other places, certainly.
2: I think so. Yeah. No, I really do think so. Um yeah. And 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 I don't know about where you guys are, but for for me, we're the only church in town. Mm-hmm. And that is a kind of another rural marker. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. We are the only church in town. We have been the only church in town since our church was founded mm-hmm. here. Um and that's freeing, but it's also kind of lonely at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah. We're
0: one of two in yep. our town. So, okay. um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so not quite as much, but yeah, close.
1: Yeah. And, 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 but there is still that, um, we are certainly, uh, as, as I'm sure you are, you know, we're isolated from kind of clergy, uh, colleague kind of groups and things like that. Um, Skype or Skype, uh, zoom and Skype and those kinds of things have made that a little more uh, possible. Certainly we've all learned that through the pandemic, but, uh, right. um, but those yeah relationships with other clergy um which can be you know really helpful in in our context uh are, are you have to work uh to make those happen a lot of times um and and there's not uh you know you only have a couple a couple other options usually which is fine but it, yeah um yeah. yeah you do have to kind of work through that so
0: um now what do you see as god's specific mission for your particular context
2: well it's interesting it kind of flows from that one of the things that's a positive about being the only church in town is that when you want to do something you have to partner with people who are not in the church. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. So we partner with the mountain. We partner with the library. We partner with the Lions Club. We partner like nerds. You have to you have to get out because that's who's out there. I mean we partner with the ski club or whatever. And so that's actually a really a really good mm-hmm. positive. And for our specific mission or a particular context, I do need to say our ministry was founded by a man named Skip Schwarz, who was here for about four years and who is now retired. And he had a vision for reaching people coming to the ski mountain to for vacation. We mm-hmm. kind of thought if we can connect with folks when they're relaxed, when they're enjoying life, then they might slow down enough to listen. Mm-hmm. And then also when people are in a crisis, we can be here to minister to. And that often happens when you're on a ski hill uh, or when anytime you have a lot of, you know, 10,000 people together, you know. Yes. So, so our ministry, unlike, say, you know, compare and contrast to other rural ministries, it was very specific. So I actually looked it up in our constitution. The ministry <laughs> will seek to minister to the sugar loafer and the people of Carabasset Valley. Secondarily, the ministry will reach out to people of surrounding towns. Hmm. So, our ministry is very focused. And a sugar loafer well is if you've ever been here, if you've ever come, um, if you've ever identified, then you're a part. So, <laughs> it's a term that the mountain uses that we capture. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, you know, uh, I. It- while that is certainly unique, it is, it's not that unusual for rural areas to be places where people go to vacation as well. Certainly, um, and that's probably true more in rural New England, um, but there's lots of other rural parts of the country where that's true. And so uh, while uh, it's definitely something that's good for churches, even if your focus is maybe more on or or if, if you're... Uh, particular ministry context is more focused on the people who are full time residents of your town. If you have a second, uh, you know, vacation population, finding some of those creative ways to to connect with them is is important um, because there are a huge part. I mean, certainly, you know, for us, we're not. Um, it's really the town south of us that has the uh, like six hundred residents and five or six thousand uh, pillows. Uh, but um, even our town, uh, certainly, uh, there's probably twice as many pillows as there are people okay. who live in town. So you're we're still, you know, still certainly on the end. So So, um, and we have definitely had people who come through uh, over the years, uh, but I think to really connect, especially like you're talking about with the the sugar loafers, you really have to be very focused on them because it's a, it's a different kind of ministry to people who are, are often there for just, you know, weekends at a time and, and finding ways to connect with them. So um, yeah, any, uh, any, any particular ways, um, I know uh, uh, your dissertation, which is amazing. uh, um, uh, It talks a lot about me. I know, I know, I know. Uh, you know what? One of the best things about doing a podcast like this is you read a bunch of stuff you wouldn't necessarily read, which is great.
2: Uh, well, have found uh, something helpful in it for you. So,
1: well, I mean. <laughs> um, so uh, you talk about uh, the, the family that came and 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 baptized and 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 had like a baptismal ceremony um, right right away. And um, if you wanted to share uh, like a, a, a version of that story, and I didn't ask you that ahead of time, so I apologize for that. But it's, it's, it's a really neat story um, that kind of encapsulates the kind of ministry God. It's called you guys too.
2: Oh, sure. That's actually a wonderfully precious story. And I probably changed the names to something. And I don't remember what I changed the names to, <laughs> not that they would care. But we do have a family here that lives in New York state, but has a, a place here. And when their daughter was born, this was such an important place to them that they want her to be baptized here. Well, that produced a couple of questions not the least of which is that we're a baptist church we don't (laughs) baptize babies
1: um
2: but you know we support people in the journey that they're in and so we said well how can we work with you because they came from a reformed tradition and they said well um we'd love to do this at downhill worship which i'll have to explain now that i've put in a crazy (laughs) word and uh and, and so the parents kind of did the baptism with me kind of supporting them as one of, in one of our services. And they brought water from home in New York. I'm trying to think there was three places. They brought it from their river nearby. Um, the, I think maybe it was the river here in town and snow from the hill and they mixed it all together. And they used that to baptize their daughter mm, with their friends, with our downhill worshipers in winter, outside, on the side of a ski. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. And and those, that those a couple, cool. since then, actually become members of our board, actually. Mm,
1: so, that's really cool.
2: That was really important. Yep. So, tell, tell us about this downhill worship. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, if there's one thing I could say, and, and I'm sure we'll get this, about rural ministry is, you know, find where people are and go mm-hmm. join them. Mm-hmm. And and I would imagine for a lot of rural churches, similar to mine, part of the reason that people are there, unless they just feel stuck there, is because they connect somehow to the great big outdoors mm-hmm. entity. Uh, and they're willing to let go of not being able to get their nails done or go to Starbucks or whatever, because they value so much that connection to outdoors. So for us, it's find people where people are, and then join them. So the first way in which this community, Sugarloaf Christian Ministry, worshipped was outside in the winter on skis with something we call downhill worship. We meet at a sign, we take the chair lift up together, and we do a run together where we stop a couple of times and we reflect on whatever the theme of the day is. You do see outdoor worship services at some other ski resorts, but they stand still. And sometimes they're overlooking this lovely vista, but it's warm and it's sunny and that's not the <laughs> <main>. So <laughs> You can't stand still and look out and, you know, you got to keep a move on. So, uh, so that's what downhill worship is. And uh, I was just thinking, a matter of fact, I shared one uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, give an example of like, how do you get this to work? Um, at our first stop, we gathered together. We sh- just shared our first names. And I said, do you prefer to ski? W- no. Which do you find more problematic? Skiing in flat light or skiing when it's really, really cold and windy? What bothers you more? High, high wind or, or flat, flat light? Um, and we just took off from there. Nice. Um, everybody can answer that question, right? Just say it's flat light, it's the only answer you can answer. I, don't know. I
1: don't like the <laughs> I'm, I'm a fair weather skier.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Chris. It's flat light. No, okay. um, that day we had 100. percent We're voting for flat light. Now, of course, okay. that day it was incredibly flat light. And yeah, uh, I just come back from uh, three weeks in Europe where I swear I didn't see the sun. And so it was a. But but we use that as a jumping off point to talk mm-hmm. about sources of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we talked about the scripture, you know, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, You are the light of the world. And so each time we would stop, we would talk a little bit about that. So we took what was kind of going on around us and you know ingested it mm-hmm. and applied it. I don't know if that's helpful, but that's uh,
1: that yeah. No, I mean that um Incredibly helpful. And, and a thing, the kind of thing that, um, yes, your church is sort of, it's built into the DNA of, 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 of your ministry, but that so many, I think of us as uh, or churches that are maybe a little more traditional in the DNA that they got them going uh, as ways that we can, uh, Remember, hey, if we, where, what are people up to? What are they doing? How can the church, instead of trying to start its own thing up or do its own thing, how do we join, uh, in. join in? with what's going on and and bring the gospel into it? fresh expressions is certainly all about that, right? Finding the place where you can uh, uh, find what's going on, connect with it, and, and make it a space for Jesus. So,
2: yeah, well, make, and honestly-
1: that almost sounds like you're forcing yourself on the space, but you know, opening it up to be a space for Jesus. Yeah,
2: yeah it, 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 well, I mean. For the folks that that I'm dealing with, you know, their sacred space, their sacred place is on the mountain. So, mm-hmm. why would I insist that it's more holy for them to be inside a building? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to them. That doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. I will say, when we finished that downhill worship the other day, I had an 11 year old with me who had not done it before, and and I loved it. I wish I could have like gotten it on, you know, tape. He said, "I like church outdoors way more than church inside." <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. My work is bad. It's great, good for lot of folks. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, when you read ministry books or you go to conferences, what are some challenges you face in trying to apply the uh, what you're learning there to a different context that you're serving in?
2: Yeah. (sighs) This is so difficult. Mm I mean, (laughs) this is what makes my head pop off. For years. And you have to remember, I my husband and I have been here for 32 years. So we were doing, I mean, I, I think we were doing Fresh Expressions before there was a name for it. Certainly. Um, <laughs> but for years, I just felt like we were the ugly duckling of churches. Mm. Like we never quite fit in. Uh, Nothing I read, nothing I attended. It didn't really make sense. I mean, I remember when we were in field ed back in seminary, the pastor that was in charge of us, you know, turned to my husband and said, you know, unless you like sitting inside and drinking tea with basically like the old ladies, you are not going to make it in ministry. And, and I mean, it struck him to the heart so much um, mm-hmm. that, I mean, it you know, basically made him cry. Cause he's like, I don't, I don't think that's the only way to do ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I forgot, because I would often say to folks, this is just, just feel like the ugly duckling. What I for what I would often forget though is that the ugly duckling does turn into a beautiful swan, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't look like anybody else in the barnyard. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have to go back and find that that, that old folk story. <laughs> so I still have to resign everything I read, everything yep. I watch. Um I can't take anything in and just apply it. There's no like program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You probably find that too, and that's
1: funny. yeah. I, was say, I think um, <laughs> certainly in our context, and I, I would imagine in most rural contexts, it's very, uh, very rare to find something that you can just sort of like plug and play uh, apply to what you're doing, and that's that's probably true in non-rural contexts as well. Um, yep. But uh, certainly, I, I, we've never found anything that you, you're like, oh yeah, I will just do this exactly like that. No, that's yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> now, not.
2: I, I remember years ago there was a, a guy years and years ago. He came to the church, and he was from Florida, and he that we really need to do evangelism explosion. That's going to date me and anybody else who's like listening. And it was this thing where you kind of would like go door to door and kind of like explain Jesus or whatever. And and I said, you know, you don't, you realize like there's only at that point, there was like 400 people in town. Like we're going to go through those real quick and alienate <laughs> all of them. Why like, <laughs> <laughs> did you think a good idea? I never, like, <laughs> that was a place in which, you know, we just, yeah, we couldn't
1: I yeah. <laughs> we do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, n- nothing in uh, Northern New England. Or, I, I feel uncomfortable when people come to my door and I'm the pastor. So. <laughs> but that's a, that's very much a New, <laughs> New England thing. So yeah, going door to door would be really a, a complicated way to try to do ministry. <laughs> Certainly.
0: Uh, so what is a recent story that reminded you that you live in a
2: rural place? Ooh, um, Let's see. Well, I mean, the easy one is you have this brilliant idea on Saturday night, but there's no way you can get supplies for Sunday morning, right? (laughs) 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 Um, You know, you read those children time things or you get something and you're like, oh, I just need, you know, an avocado. And uh," and you're like, yeah, no, it's not (laughs) going (laughs) to happen. Definitely. Geography matters, you know? Yes. And I don't know where you are, but... um, for where we are, I usually can explain it when I go and speak at places. I usually say, you know, where I live, it's 42 miles to the nearest stoplight. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're only like and 20, so you're you're doing that, really well. Oh,
2: <laughs> you know. Um in terms of like, what does rural life mean? Yeah. So for us, it's an hour to the nearest hospital, two hours to a significant hospital. All that pastoral care stuff you read about—that's ex- even before COVID—that mm-hmm. was extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah. A number of years ago, this is more serious, but 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 it talks about rural ministry. So uh, during vacation, during Christmas vacation week, the mountain won't like me to tell this, but it's true. We did have a problem with one of the chair lifts, and the uh, the, the chairs derailed. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, The chairs fell off the lift uh, and the cable fell down. And this was during vacation week, and the lift was full. And um, people were, nobody died, uh, but people were severely injured. And they Mm. ended up in Portland, which is a solid two and a half hours away. And how do you, number one, get them there? How do you support them there? Um, I remember, and because it was Christmas vacation week, there were, it was like three out of the four it was one family. There were three out of the four family members were all in the charity, mm-hmm. and so I remember. You know, we literally packed up um, all. Or all and I went into their place. We didn't. I didn't really know them, but we went into their place by their permission. Packed up all their stuff, put everything in their suitcases, took down their Christmas tree, emptied their fridge, um, and everything because they're not coming back. I don't know if that's a really good example but but geography just it matters. Mm. Yeah.
1: Every, yeah every day you can't
2: you can't age in place here. Um really hard. We don't have a nursing home, we don't have any of those facilities, I don't you know, I imagine in a lot of places. How do you get old here? it is really hard yeah
1: we, we talk about um you know if you for people who get it's probably a little easier age in place here there although there is a nursing home in town you got go well, to go quite a ways no there isn't we, well, but there is um we do have some like retirement housing um sort that of like senior uh, housing. senior housing essentially but when people lose like without a vehicle and there's a social service uh, agency in town that does work on that kind of stuff um and works on rides which is great but it yeah, you lose a vehicle or your ability to drive and it becomes incredibly hard to live here. Um just to get get, get the medication you need to go to the doctor, to go to the store, the doctor, all that kind of stuff gets very hard. Yeah. yeah certainly.
0: Um, yeah. Uh so we were fascinated by the way you spoke about place in your dissertation. How do you think people's lack of sense of place has impacted the way church does ministry?
2: Mm. Well, one of the things I think is important for us to remember is you know, your church building might be your place, but it's not their place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, our buildings could be used as an asset, but they're just that, assets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not more holy than the places where people are hanging out. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard, I think, for church people to, to really value and appreciate. You know, for some people, their ballpark might be their sacred place or their cornfield might be where they feel closest to God. And if we keep insisting that they actually have to come into our building and our sacred place in order for them to know and experience God, we, we've really missed the boat. Because mm-hmm. Jesus really didn't do that. Um, he he never insisted people come to, the, to him. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like he was out there. Right? Yeah, completely. Yeah.
0: I like that. I think, uh, we sometimes underestimate the value of place. I mean, like where we go, we go camping every summer to the same same place. Um, and as soon as we get there, we know it, we feel comfortable there. We don't have to figure out where everything is, you know, we just can relax. And so I can, I can totally understand how that would be you know, how that is important for us to think about in the church life that, um, if people, if we expect people to always come into our building, that we lose out on a lot of stuff, like a lot of opportunities to,
2: um, to minister to people and to reach out to them. And it becomes a power thing. I mean, we don't intend it to be that way, but, but there's a, there's a power differential there and it's just a threshold, you know, it, it, that, that whole kind of threshold anxiety. Particularly in New England, you know, just going across the threshold into a religious building can really just give people the willies. Um, mm. And those of us who are comfortable there, we don't we don't think about it. Um, and it's interesting you should mention about that place. you go on vacation all the time. I mean, that is part of the work that I did. and what's so important for the context of the ministry that that I'm involved in is that I deal a lot with what we call second homeowners, um, and that they have a deeper connection to to the place here at the mountain than their suburban home, which they may have changed a couple of times as their jobs changed, as the size of their family changed, um, those kinds of needs, but they keep their vacation homes. And those vacation homes become the home of their hearts,
1: uh,
2: which is really, really interesting. It is. And
1: we certainly run into that when we do weddings uh, at Stratton, uh, which is the mountain near us, um, because it's often with families that have, uh,
0: they've lived there for, you know, 40 years or something like that. And um, that's where they go on vacation and they want to, that they feel more connected to the mountain than they do back home. And so they do sort of a destination wedding. um, Yeah. Trying to, to just enjoy the space that they, that they enjoy. and how do you think, like um how can the church address the feelings of this strong sense of place like the, the the
2: rural church? how can um how can we address that i I think that one of the ways that we can really do that, and particularly in kind of rural America, where sometimes you know they might say, well hey, we're we're out here, we're out here. Is to celebrate as many opportunities as you can find ways to celebrate the place you're in and to just acknowledge that God loves to hang out there. Mm -hmm. So, and, and God loves to hang out where, where, where you are. So, you know, is it the harvest festival? Is it the County fair? Is it a local crop that, you know, is really famous here? You know, what, what are those, what are those things that people love about where you are? Why do people stay there? What is that? Um, and, and to come alongside, and this is something that I've learned, again, not having another church in town, having all the players and partners that I work with be people who are already in the community in a way that's not religious, um, that don't have that those kind of hangups that we particularly in New England have. You know, how do I come alongside other groups that are helping folks to appreciate their locale? So is it the snowmobile club? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it the grange? Uh, is it the skateboard park kids. I mean, it doesn't have to be an age thing, but, and to help them celebrate what it is that makes, uh, that the place where they are yeah. so powerful. And, and, and if I could just make one little, one little pet peeve about get outside. If you haven't heard that yet, get outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jesus mostly spoke and taught and healed outside. Mm-hmm. And it's so apparent that it, it's, it's when he goes inside that the authors tell you he's going inside. Otherwise you can assume he's outside. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. Yeah.
2: Um, and so I think that, and if we're involved in the outdoors, um, I think outdoor ministry keeps things connected to the world around mm-hmm. us. And you can't drone on for as long if you're outside. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You <laughs> can't do quite as many verses to the song, right? You got you know to wrap it up. And you can't talk
2: so long. Um, it's 100% you gotta accurate. You got to keep it crisp. <laughs> and, 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 and oftentimes they're not like sitting in these, pew. Pu- like, I don't know. It's just one of my, Jesus was outside. Just
1: mm. <laughs> yeah I was gonna, one of one of my favorite places I ever did um planning for a funeral was um uh one of the first funerals I ever did here I went it was sugaring season which is huge in southern Hi. Vermont and go. uh and uh, they, uh the family they're like well we're boiling tonight um you want to come over and and actually after that I spent many nights uh hanging out with them at the which unfortunately they don't boil anymore but the family kind of moved on from it but it was yeah, um, and a great way to kind of bring Jesus into the moment, um, and also just to also just have a lot of fun, right? I mean, it's who doesn't want to go and make maple syrup for a night? It's amazing.
2: Exactly, <laughs> how sweet that was.
1: It was, oh it was really sweet. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> really sweet. Um, That's sweeter all the night went on, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you also talk about um, you. You have a discussion on place. You talk about. Uh, the overemphasis on the spiritual aspects of life while diminishing the physical that it can lead to devaluing a place. What are some ways that your unique ministry is able to use its emphasis on the physical to make real connections with your community and the people who live in it?
2: Uh, I don't know if I can answer this well. It's a great question. It's really hard. Um, <laughs> But what I can do is just talk and see if, if anyone <laughs> answers that question.
1: That's, that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, well, one of the things that we try to do is don't just take whatever you do inside and take it outside. Because mm. that's not valuing place. Right? That's just yeah. valuing the stuff that we like to do. And we're going to just go do it. That doesn't, that that has, I mean, it can work, but it's not, it's not the best. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do that, one of the things you'll notice is how artificial some of the things we are that do that they can kind of work inside. But when we get outside that they, they, they just, they, they don't work that well. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think the other thing too, is, you know, our focus, as I said, it, it's not about getting folks out there to come in here. Um, it's about going to where people are and, and, and to engage them on their, in their own comfort zone, engage them in mm-hmm. their own sacred place, uh, in their own sacred space. Um, and, you know, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus spoke from the fields and the mountains. You know, Jesus made all of this earth holy ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and and our kind of unwillingness to adapt to that, uh, we, we lose, uh, mm-hmm. you know. so we have a couple of different things. Obviously we mentioned downhill worship uh, more than the other ones. I'm trying to think of what's, you know, translatable to other places. We have us actually, we've worked for years, number of years with the mountain. We actually have an amphitheater on the top of the mountain, uh, which we built uh, in cooperation with the mountain, obviously, because they own the mountain itself. Uh, but at that amphitheater during the summer months, people take a chair, lift up and we meet in this amphitheater. It has great, great sound, but we try not to do the traditional stuff. They are actually seated and they are actually outside, but we try to make those the, that that um, moment. It's right out in public. You know, people are walking by, people are hiking, people are taking the trails to do other things. So we're right there in the midst of everything, and I'm trying to think of like some examples. Like one day, I'll say, "Hey, let's look at the clouds." You know, so we'll all lay down on the pews and we'll look up at the clouds and we'll you will know, see what's up there. Like everybody's done that. Everybody can can do that. You know. Or one of my favorite ones last summer is I had everybody to get up and go find a tree and just spend some time with it. And, you know, there are thousands and thousands of trees out there, but each one's unique Um, Mm. and kind of make that connection. There's just so, there's so many ways Mm. to just value what I think God values, which is the place where people are. Mm. Sound like an old record, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so um, we're, we're going to ask
0: you a more personal question uh, about your personal faith. Um, what is one spiritual practice that you have
2: found meaningful for your faith journey?
0: Yeah,
2: it sounds like a broken record. <laughs> one of the things I had to, I grew up in suburbia, by the way. I grew up on the T-line <laughs> outside of Boston. So uh, I did not grow up rural. Um, you know, I grew up. You know, wasn't actually a pavement jungle, but but I, I but truly, you know, I grew up with all the amenities of suburban life. So one of the things that's been super important for me is to take a walk, mm. get outside. I try to do that every day that I'm here at my office, leave the building, smell the leaves, the fall leaves, you know crunch in the snow. I do have a note right here on my office that says right now, must walk before 3 p.m. And those of you who live in the England will know why. <laughs> because it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I remember years ago taking a walk out here and I, and I just kind of walk up and just wandered into the woods. And there was this wonderful rock. I just kind of sat on it and I was just frustrated. Uh, just frustrated with God. He was like, go out for a walk. I'm sitting down here. He says, you just want me to go out here and take a walk? Is that all you want me to do? God was like, yeah. You might. <laughs> just be here. Oh, so hard. I'm not a person being mm-hmm. That's the important part. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things that I do, but that's probably the one that I probably am always the most in. Mm. As you can see, in my office, I'm surrounded by books. I'm surrounded by all the greatest thinkers. And sometimes I use those as a substitute. Mm. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing with us
0: today. Before we close out, uh, if people want to connect with you online, how can they do that?
2: Well, they can connect me online with our Facebook page, which is of Area Christian Ministry. We do have a website in dire need of help. So if anybody would like to <laughs> <laughs> take pity upon a poor woman who's like doing too much, that's Sugarloaf. Struggle- <laughs> That is just at sugarloafministry.com. You will mock it when you see it, but I can only do some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wanted to mention those of folks who are in, kind of interested in kind of pursuing more, like how do we get outside or how do we connect with place? There are a couple of, um, there are a couple of good groups and I can send you those links. Uh, engageworship.org, which is out of the United Kingdom. is really good. Uh, the Wild Church Network, which is is really interesting, and we have a new church in New Hampshire, Alpine Church six hundred three. I don't know if you're connected with them at all. That's a that's a, like they only they only meet outside. Like talk yes. about radical. <laughs> I, I reach heaven off. <laughs> <laughs> So those are those are. Uh, uh, I'll make sure I send those. But yeah, our Facebook page, our website. Uh, you can you can put my email address right in the in the bio link. At love to hear from folks who are interested in any of the kind of things that I'm in. yeah. I really appreciate you. I wouldn't have thought of myself as like in rural church ministry, but the more I kind of looked at this and reflected, I'm like, yeah, I am. I, I, it's it's a weird duck.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, and a lot of the people you minister to are, I mean, it's a lot of second homeowners are suburban, suburbanites. So at yeah. which we can really get, because a lot of people who are second homeowners here, you know, are more, you're more suburban Eastern Massachusetts. We're more suburban uh, New, New York, York Grand New York, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but still, uh, but at the same time, it's in a, you know, 600 person place. town. You have less people in your town than we do. Yeah. So yeah, you really count as, and 42 minutes to a stoplight. You're rural. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> oh
0: oh <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and have a great day.
2: Thank you. Be well. Hope to see you in person again soon. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> Take care.
1: All right. Thank you. Welcome back. And uh, we are we're just so thankful for the opportunity there to interview uh, Pam Morris. And one of the things we want to do at the end of each of the interviews is just say uh, each of us have a chance to say one of the things that we took away from the interview. So, Kathleen, what was something that you took away from our interview with Pam?
0: I really appreciated that she talked about how buildings are not more holy Mm. than not buildings, uh, that we can know and experience God outside of the church building. And, uh, I think sometimes we can get stuck in doing everything out of our church building. Um, and it can be a challenge, especially given, uh, rural areas. There's not a lot of places sometimes that you can meet, but there's always outside.
1: There is. And I was, did you share that one just because we went like six and a half years without a building? Um, seven years without <laughs> no. No. Yeah, right.
0: yeah, we had to be real creative. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you. at
1: least appreciated that. Yes, right? uh, in that regard. Okay, uh, so for me, I found uh, that when she said uh, that, find ways to celebrate the place where we live, and partner with organizations uh, in the places where they celebrate the community that you're in. Um, and one thing that, uh, uh, and and this has been tricky, I think, maybe for all churches, but certainly one of the things that was hard. There were many things that were hard about uh, the the way that the, the COVID uh, change the way that we had to interact with one another for ministry. But one of the things that was hard is it became hard to celebrate and do all the kinds of things that we do to kind of celebrate the people we are. And, um, certainly I remember hearing advice many times in the past about, you know, um, make sure to celebrate the things, the good things that God's doing, um, and the little victories that you're having as a church community. Um, because it's easy to get, uh, we we live in a world where there's lots of, there's obviously lots of hurt and lots of things going on in the world around us. And, um, it, it, uh, uh, it can become uh, daunting to try to think about how we're going to how we're going to try to minister in all those circumstances. But when we see God doing something really neat, and we uh, can see the ways that God has used us to do some neat things, uh, we should celebrate those things. And uh, we can get outside to do those things. Um, we we had a sledding party at church yesterday. Yeah, um, and it was a little chilly, but it was nice to get outside and have fun doing that. And that it was. was a fun thing to do so, yeah,
0: yeah. Chris had to go out walk on a pond to to retrieve a sled.
1: Yes, the head. The, yes, it was important <laughs> to not send one of the little ones. Although in some ways, maybe we should have sent the little ones. But the pond was fine. It was, yeah, it, was, it, was yeah, it was very small. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> and I enjoyed the sledding part. I don't know. Kathleen does not really love the cold. but well, You seem to endure it pretty well. Uh, yeah,
0: I hung out with. Someone else, you probably doesn't. We
1: did not have a fire like a we didn't campfire. have. No, we often have in the past. Yeah. That just didn't happen this year. We should do that for you next time.
0: Yeah, but it's it's okay. I yeah. embrace it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, we, we live in Vermont. You have to you have to to some extent embrace the goal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Chris, uh, tell us one thing that has happened recently in your life that reminded us that we live in a rural location.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, so, one of the things uh, we talked about firefighting and how that has often opened up opportunities. Um, actually, just a couple of days ago. Um, had a call. And uh, one of the things our fire department, we don't do medical. Um, uh, we have a separate um, uh, ambulance service in town that runs basically all medical calls in town, which, quite frankly, for me is um, I mean, they do amazingly and important stuff as mm-hmm. well. But for me, it's good because the time commitment uh, to, uh, to do both of those kinds of things would be way too much. and And the time commitment on medical calls just wouldn't work in my schedule. Um, uh, but, um, so it's pretty rare actually that we help out with a medical call as the fire department, but once in a while, if they need a little extra help lifting, or if they need help, um, uh, getting someone out of a circumstance, then they will, they will call us for extra help. So the other night I was woken up in the middle of the night with my pager going off something that actually doesn't happen that often, thankfully, because, uh, the older I get, the harder it is to uh, bounce back from losing a couple hours of sleep in the middle of the night. But anyway, we, um, pager goes off and I heard that there was, um, a driveway that wasn't plowed and somebody needed to go to the hospital, um, and that they were going to need some help to get this person, uh, to the ambulance. And, um, uh, because I heard the street name that it was on and because I'm pretty familiar with the, with this with the family and the circumstance there through lots of, uh, other ministry things that have happened over the years, I knew exactly where it was. I knew I, I had a pretty good idea of who the person was actually that was going to need the help. And, uh, I knew, and, uh, and certainly knew the family well enough to be able to interact with them in a way that was going to be helpful. So I, uh, I would have responded anyway, but I made sure I ran, got down in the car, helped. uh, We got our, we got, um, we headed over to the, where the call was, uh, made sure that I I headed quickly up to the house. Um, There was already an EMT on scene uh, who was doing a bunch of medical stuff, but I was able to kind of help out with some of the logistics and things like that and helping, hopefully helping them, the family feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, And that's just the kind of thing when you live in a small community, as a pastor, you're going to find your way, and you don't have to be a pastor, just as, as a person who's trying to uh, be a, a person of peace for Jesus in, in a place like that, um, where you have these opportunities to help out your neighbors, because you know them, um, and you know the circumstances, uh, and you know how you can be beneficial in the circumstances. So um, yeah, that was uh, something that happened the other night. Not Again, that's a pretty uh, unusual story. There have been other medical calls I've gone on, certainly because of we're helping out, or uh, when I've known that it was somebody from church to, for whom the medical call was for uh, because I recognize the address. But in general, uh, yeah, I, uh, I in general don't do a lot of medical stuff, but there's certainly an opportunity there. We have a couple of people at our church who have been on uh, uh, the ambulance service for a long, long time, and they they find lots of ministry opportunities um, as they're obviously there to help medically, but they often know the stories of what's going on. They've been living in our town for a long time for their whole lives. So, yeah, (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, finding those places where you can, where, you know, your neighbors, you know, what's going on in their lives. You can be helpful in ways like that. Yeah. Really, really beneficial stuff. So, you know, it doesn't have to obviously be through uh, the fire department or, or, you know, EMTs There's lots of coaches and things like that for kiddos. And over the years that do that kind of stuff, people who are involved in other uh, groups at school, um, things like that or groups with adults too. So yeah, find those places.
0: Yes, those places. absolutely. Uh before uh, we say goodbye, if you would take uh, a few moments to rate us on wherever you're mm-hmm. listening to us, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, we want to be an encouragement to the rural church. And uh, one way that you can help us is by uh, giving us a rating. Um, you can also share us with your friends and you could share us on social media. We have posts on um, Fresh Expressions. Uh, Our Fresh Expressions uh, social media pages. Uh, We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So if you need need something to share, you can do it that way. But we would really appreciate you taking the time to do that.
1: Yeah, it just helps get the word out about the podcast and hopefully build a bit more of a community here and uh, hopefully all together we will continue to find ways to uh, see the gospel move forward in our rural communities.
0: Rural Renewal Podcast is a part of the Rural Renewal Summit, an initiative of Fresh Expressions happening April 21st and 22nd. The summit is a two-day digital event exploring new possibilities for small town churches. Learn more at freshexpressions.com slash summit.
1: Fresh Expressions is a worldwide movement of everyday missionaries who want to see churches thrive in the places we live, eat, work, and play by leveraging the creativity and endurance of the inherited church. To learn a simple five-phase process for starting a new expression of the church that works in small towns, big cities, and everywhere in between, go to freshexpressions.com slash how To
0: connect with this podcast, you can email us at podcasts at freshexpressions.com. Rule Renewal Podcast is hosted by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Blackie. It is edited by Joel Limbaughan and produced by Kathleen Blackie and Chris Morton. Our North American director is Dr. Christopher Backert.
1: If you've learned something or have been encouraged by this podcast, please help us spread the word. You can give us a review on Apple Music or Spotify and share this episode on social media.
0: Let us end with this prayer for town and rural area from the Book of Common Prayer. Lord Christ, when you came among us, you proclaimed the kingdom of God in villages, towns, and lonely places. Grant that your presence and power may be known throughout this land. Have mercy upon all of us who live and work in rural areas. And grant that all the people may give thanks to you for food and drink and all other bodily necessities of life. Respect those who labor to produce them and honor the land and the water from which these good things come. All this we ask in your holy name, amen.